Welcome in to the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. We've got another great week of a podcast for you. Jacob Martin sits down with me. It's the first time that I've actually had a chance to sit down with the outside linebacker. He joined the Texans just before the start of the season. He's put up a sack in back-to-back-to-back games, and he is really rolling along as part of the Rock Boys on defense. And also Jim Wyatt joins us a little bit later on to talk about the Titans. What makes them so good? Why is Ryan Tannehill so hot? And so hard to stop. We've got all that coming up. But first, Texans fans, the coverage of Xfinity X-Fi can't be beat. Stream your team all season long on every in-home device, no matter where you watch. This is Beyond Wi-Fi. This is X-Fi. Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans, proud partner of this podcast. And we've got Jacob Martin. And let me just tell you, I did a little research on Jacob Martin and this is only his second year in the NFL, but he's got some stories from high school. There's one in particular that will make the hair on your neck stand up. We get into that pretty quickly in this podcast because I'd heard this about uh, several weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I'd heard the story about Jacob Martin. And I thought if I ever sit down with him, I got to hear him tell the story in his own words because I just, I just couldn't believe it. So that is all I'm going to leave you with. I'm going to get into the podcast right now. We get into that. We get into him running for high school class president. And uh, then he also names his uh, fellow linebackers where he would put them in his little government had he won president or if he had a government to run. Anyway, we, we sort of go all over the place, but we also talk a little bit of football. Here he is, Jacob Martin on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Our guest this week, outside linebacker, Jacob Martin. And I just learned that you wanted to do broadcast journalism, so I feel like this is a great foray for you. Oh, it's a great, it's a great, great intro. You know, okay. it's a great way to get my, my feet wet and, uh, and, and back in the swing of things. I know. like it. So it's awesome. Do you miss being in front of the camera? Well, technically, I'm still in front of the camera. Well, you know? you, yes, that's true. You know? But you're not interviewing anyone. You're the one getting interviewed usually after games and stuff. I think it's a good, it's a good practice. You know, this gets me gets me ready to be a little bit more comfortable in front of the camera. So yeah, I think you're doing all right. Oh, thank you. Let me just say that when you did your first press conference uh, in the locker room around media, you had talked about coming back to Houston, and everyone just sort of stopped because I don't think a lot of us knew that you were from Houston. Obviously, now we know that you grew up in Katy, but. Mm-hmm. In your bio, it listed that you went to high school in Colorado. G- give me a little bit of background. So I lived in Houston from birth till, I don't know, maybe like kindergarten, first grade. Okay, so you were pretty young. Yeah, so like I, I like I never really got to live in Houston, you know, or I like never got, really got to like experience Houston, like where you're like in your teen or like early teen years where you're going to explore in the city and things like that, you know. Um, obviously, we come, we came back and forth and visited quite often, quite frequently. Um, we ended up moving to Colorado. I lived out there for 10, 13 years. But you, years. I've seen you with a cowboy hat before the game, so I feel like you just embraced being a Texan very quickly when you came back. Oh, uh, well, it was nothing new to me, you know. That's that's something that. Well, here we go. We're in Texas, yeah, yeah, I'm just back home in Texas, you know. When I was looking at your bio, you grew up in Aurora, Colorado. A lot of people know that as the place where a few, several years back, yeah. there was that mass shooting at the movie theater and I heard this story that just literally gave me goosebumps you were supposed to be at that showing of yeah. the dark night that night weren't crazy you? crazy yeah you how know. did you not end? okay tell me give us the background because I want to hear you tell this story okay so I'll give the I'll I give heard the, a version of it I'll, I'll give the 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 um, most accurate rundown uh I would say so like it was I'm in high school I'm into maybe sophomore year high school sophomore year it's 2012 right, right. yeah right. so sophomore year high school it's summertime and we're trying to go see the new premiere of The Dark Knight, you know, normal high school. As most high school kids were. Right, you know, and a lot, a lot of the people there were um, either teammates or students that, I, that we knew from the other high schools in the area and stuff like that. But uh, we called multiple 
like multiple um, theaters, you know, me, me and a group of seven friends, you know, and uh, we, w we decided to go with the cheaper option, which was uh, Century 16. Um, you know, it was the neighborhood uh, theater. They still had the student tickets, you know, so we're like, cool, bet. We don't have to pay full price for a ticket. We can just get our normal seven, $7.50 ticket and keep it pushing, you know. So I called ahead to try to reserve seven tickets. You know, they didn't have seven. They only had four. So we ended up, we're just like, oh, well, I don't know. Four of us aren't just going to go and leave everyone else. So um, we decided to go. There was a golf course right around the corner from my house. So we just hung out on the golf course. You know, this is like, keep in mind, it's also like midnight because it's a midnight premiere. It was the midnight show. Yeah. So like we're like. We found a golf course that was open. Okay. Resourceful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could say, you could say that. You could say it was open. <laughs> okay, so you guys are, you guys are playing golf. Yeah. Did anyone think that you had actually gone to see the movie? Yeah. Like my parents. Par or? My parents did because they didn't realize, like, they didn't know that. That you had changed plans. That we had changed plans, you know. And I'm just thinking, like, whatever. Like, we didn't go. I'll just show back up at normal curfew time. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that big of a deal. My phone, like, my phone dies. And um, all we can hear is, like, police sirens, like, zooming down Smoky Hill Road. Or Rappo. Is it Rappo Road? It's Smoky Hill or Rappo Road. One, one of, like, the two major roads. Um, just zooming down. Um, we're trying to figure out, like, what's going on. No one right. really knows what's going on. So then I just go home. I'm two minutes away from the golf course. I go home, my parents are like freaking out, trying to figure out, like, they're trying to call me and my phone's dead. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Oh, we're at the golf course. Like, we never end up going to the movie theater. And they told me what happened. I was like, oh, wow. Like, that's That crazy. is crazy. I mean, crazy. I heard that story and I thought, that must have shaken you up. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like, I, I. You knew, you know, a lot kn of those we kids. We knew a, a crap ton of people. That know? were at the theater yeah, that night. Yeah. That is, that is really scary. I really wanted to hear that from you because I'm sure that's shaped you as a person as you've gone sure. on through your life. Sure. Um, all right, so here you come back in Houston. You're reunited with your Texas roots. When you get the call, tell me what's going on. It's just the end of preseason. You're with Seattle. You're mm -hmm. heading into your second year. You've had a pretty good off season. You think things are going well, and you find out you're getting traded. So uh, when I got the call, I, was actually, I actually wasn't in Seattle. I was uh, in Philadelphia visiting my girlfriend. And we, um, she like just picked me up from the airport and we're headed to her parents' house. And my phone was dead, so like I- Your I, phone is dead in a lot of these very important life situations. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm bad. I'm bad at charging my phone, all right? Clearly, okay. Okay. Phone's um, dead. That's beside the point, right? <laughs> so I plug my phone in like when I get in the car and I like, I'm like, we're just having our normal conversation and uh, we get to her parents' house and I get a phone call around like nine o'clock and they said the trade went through and I had no idea that I was... You didn't know that this was a scenario? No, but, like, I had a weird feeling about it, you know? Okay. Like, I knew, like, it was just another opportunity. So I was, exci I was excited, obviously, to come back to Houston, you know, and uh, I play with, play with some, some great players, you know. Um, obviously, uh, Seattle was missed and, and will be missed, but, you know, I'm here in a, in a great city with a, with a great opportunity ahead of me. You, know? you had to turn around and get your stuff here really quickly because I remember you yeah. showed up and there were still boxes from Seattle that were arriving yeah. uh, for you the next few days. Was there a lot of pressure being that it was part of a trade with Jadavian Clowney, a former number one overall pick? How about for yourself? Did you put pressure on yourself to fit into this new defense early on? What's your approach? No, I, w I wouldn't say I put pressure on myself to, or compare myself to anyone. You know, I think it's, it's important to, to understand what you bring to the table, um, not to compare yourself to anyone else. You know, try to keep yourself as organic as possible. You know, obviously they saw something and I... I it was very flattering, you know, to know that that you were being that you were your name was involved in a trade with. Uh, like they wanted you to right, come here, right? Okay. You know, so. Uh, 
And you actually have more sacks on the season than Jadavion <laughs> Clowney. I mean, I don't know if anyone knows that. You're three and a half, he's three. Oh, Not yeah. that it matters, no. but I just thought I'd put that out there for you. Yeah. Your first Monday Night Football, Drew Brees and the Saints. Your brother plays for the Saints, coincidentally. Yeah. He wasn't playing that night, though. No, but no. how surreal was that? You had a quarterback hit on Drew Brees. You had a great first game in your mm-hmm. debut as a Texan. What did your brother have to say about you after the game? Um, my brother was excited. You know, this is something that, like, he, he has been looking forward to for so long um, because there's such a big age gap. I, mean, I would say, like, not a huge age gap, but, like, there's a significant age gap to where we have never played organized sports together. Really? Yeah. So, like, at any point in time, you know, I was always, like, if he was playing football, I was always, like, the water boy or, like, the ball boy, <laughs> you know, so. Quite a few years yeah. younger. Yeah. Okay. So, there was about maybe five, a five, six-year difference. It was awesome for him. You know, and I was I was super excited because I've never shared a field with him. You know, even though he was he, he he was hurt during the game, you know, it still meant a lot. You know that we are on the same level. You know, so it's a blessing. Fast forward a few weeks later, now it's Sunday night football. Mm-hmm. Texans are playing the Patriots. One and a half sacks, three quarterback hits, one TFL. You set single game career highs in that game against the Patriots. First of all, I think you must really enjoy playing on primetime, but. What is it about this defense that's allowed you to just play the way you've been playing this season? You know, I would just, I would just say they gave me an opportunity. You know, I, I don't think anything has changed necessarily from my game, but obviously it just continues to elevate. You know, but I was kind of really just picking off from where I left off last year, you know, and trying to keep things going and continue to work, continue to learn from the guys we have in the locker room. You know, and just thankful for the opportunity to have, you know, to, to be able to, to, to play this game and to play here in Houston, you know, and whatever the team he's going to do. Bill O'Brien, when he talks about you, he said the other day that you run about 100 miles per hour, um, that you're someone to watch in practice because you're just full go all the time. I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing, but basically he did say 100 miles per hour for you. Where, where do you get your work ethic from? And, and is there a chip on your shoulder from uh, the situation that you're in? Or has that really just always been your mindset? No, that's always been my, like, I, my how we were raised, you know, it's like our, our family, like, mantra almost. Like, nothing beats a failure but a try, you know? Nothing beats a failure but a try. But a try. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you fail, the only thing you can do is get up and try. Try. try again. You know what I mean? So keeping that in mind, you know, and I'm a big believer in how you do anything is how you do everything. You know what I mean? So, like, it may, it may be, it may seem like I'm going 100 miles an hour, you know, all the time, which, which might be the case, you know, but it's, it's very controlled. It's very... It's very detail-oriented, you know, um, making sure my footwork is right or hand placement is right and things like that. Um, just focus on the little, the little aspects of my game because those things that you can teach your body to consistently do, you know, just become second nature to you. So You mentioned control. I know that you are a big fan of the martial arts, mm-hmm. and you studied quite a few of them in high school. and beyond. I don't know if you still do, yeah, but how yeah. much does that sort of factor into your game and how you approach it? I would say I would say that's, a, that's jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah, what so so I picked up I picked up jiu-jitsu um, just recently, like in the past two years. Okay. Um, for my brother, my brother actually uh, started doing jiu-jitsu his rookie year with Tamba Ali and the uh, the Gracie family, um, basically the, the the inventors of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So how, how does that help football? Because I know a number of I know Brian Cushing was a big fan of it as well. Yeah. I would say it's, it's 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 it provides a lot of different aspects, you know, that a lot of people don't think about, you know, when it comes to football. Um, it, it's a, it's about control, you know, and you don't always have to feel the need that you're, that you're like in control. If that makes sense. It makes you comfortable being uncomfortable, because like when you're rolling around during jujitsu, you know, you may find yourself in very uncomfortable positions, you know, and 
it may seem that you're like it may seem that you're not in control but the whole object the whole like how i think of it is like when you're not in control are you really like as you think to yourself are you really not in control like, but you're you're at peace with it it's like exactly. it's like an organized chaos almost exactly right? Exactly. Like we you know, know this is not what we have any control over, but it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Like get, I'm, yeah, you I'm not. You get yourself in and out of situations. Yeah, because uh, there's, a, there's a lot of give and take, you know. So there's it, that aspect of, of football, you know, and obviously hand combatives, you know, um, when it comes to pass rushing and things like that, and understanding how the body works and um, that there's different ways to trap and different parts of the body. So. You were you were a defensive end coming out of college into mm-hmm. the draft. So when did you make the switch from defensive end to outside linebacker? I would say I've always done the same thing. Is it kind of like <laughs> you just interchangeably did I both? Just, I just think like the difference between defense defensive end and outside linebacker is I don't I don't play a four eye. You know like I, I it's don't. minimal in, in yeah. Romeo Cornell's especially. But I don't yeah. know sometimes they list guys particularly as a DE or as an OLB. Actually, Clowney was the opposite. Yeah. You know, so like I, defensive I've, end. I was like, uh, for me, it doesn't, like the verbiage doesn't, I've done the same thing my whole career. Because you had to, you had <laughs> so, to gain a lot of, but did you, did you not have to gain a lot of weight? I, I, I'd read somewhere that Pete Carroll wanted you to gain quite well, a bit of weight. Well, I've always, like I, I've always uh, have played at or around, you know, in between 238 and 243, you know, around there. Um, in college, I was a little bit heavier. I think my heaviest in college, I was 267. Oh, wow. You know, my senior year. So, uh, it just, I wouldn't say necessarily made me gain weight, but maybe maintain weight, you know. Um, and, la- and last year was a, was, a learning perspe- was a learning experience, you know, every day, you know, because. You were a rookie for one. Right. Every yeah. day was literally a new day. Brand new day. You know, there, I only had, I had no prior experience to what a week 14 or a week 8 felt like or because you're not usually playing this time of year right no, you're done you know what i mean so like you're not you're not playing you're you're trying to learn how to take care of your body and how to be professional you know this is the first time you're really like an adult adult like mm-hmm. college was nice you're living on your own and things like that but like you weren't necessarily paying bills because you're on a scholarship so um it was a learning experience last year which i don't learn a lot which is awesome all right i see you with the linebackers you guys get along really well like yeah. i would never guess that you just got here before yeah. the start of the season the rock boys you're part of them. I know you're not the part that dresses up. That's the inside linebackers. Yeah, the outside linebackers keep it. You guys are pretty individualistic on game days, right? Yeah, yeah. How, how have you liked that group of, of guys that you're playing with? Because you all seem different in your experiences and what you're into, but yet you all get along. You all seem to have a real fun, fun sense of humor and fun energy about you. I'd say the energy's right with that group of guys. Yes, you know? energy. Um, so everyone kind of just like meshes, gels together. Like me and Mingo obviously know each other. Um, you know, but I've, I've always watched Whitney Merciless from afar, you know, and, uh, and, and Scar, you know, that's a great dude, you know, so that's a, that's a great, that's we a like him. Dude. We that's like, we dude, like man. all them too. He's a, a bad, bad dude. That's a bad dude, man. <laughs> all right. Which one would you put in, um, jujitsu? Jujitsu? Yeah. Which, which one of your linebackers would make a good jujitsu? I think, mm, it's a tough one, man. Jujitsu is like, it's like part of it is for mobility and hip mobility you know and it's a great way to to exercise and to work out without necessarily taxing the body or taxing the joints or putting a lot of stress or something on the joints um i don't know that's a good question i I'd have, oh, okay. have to like i'd have to like see you you have try to try it. them out yeah like guys would have to try did, it were out. you also in gymnastics in high school i did gymnastics like growing up growing up what, uh, what was your what was your event I just I was like it was more like the first sport I played. Okay. Before I did like before like I did martial arts, it was like it was kind of just like oh yeah let's go play on the rings Jake. 
<laughs> you know? I mean, I'm imagining the, the Olympics where you're no, swinging the rings or no. you're doing the vault. Something no, super fancy I don't, now. I don't think, I never got that far. I never okay. got that far. It was more like a, like a year, like a, I was six years old and I had too much energy. My mom put me in something. You're really interesting. I also read that you ran for student body president in high school. Yeah, I did. I did. How did that go? I lost, but I still call myself Mr. President. You're still Mr. President because yeah. of that. I lost, but I, I, I'm still Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be the president of the linebackers group if you had to elect a president? BMAC for sure. Oh, he would he? Yeah, I would. Why say, is that? I would say BMAC would be the president. Zach would be the uh, the house chair. Uh, well, I he organizes say. all the outfits. Yeah, he I, should have a pretty important role. I, I, I would. I would say Whitney Merciless would be the vice president. <laughs> um, Scar would be. Uh, I don't know the secretary of defense. I myself, I would be. Uh, I would not work in the White House. <laughs> You're like, I will be the consultant on the yeah, side. Yeah, I, I would. I would be. Uh, have you seen that show? Uh, I'd be like that show, Scandal. I'd be the like, fixer. I was actually just thinking. I'd be like the fixer. You'd be the fixer. I'd be the fixer. You'd be, yeah, you'd be Carrie yeah. Carrie Washington. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, we look forward to seeing what you do for the rest of the season and and the Rock Boys for that yeah. matter. Jacob Martin, thank you so much for Worldwide. joining us on the Deep Slant. Always. Good stuff from Jacob Martin. I think that would, that might have been one of my longest interviews with a player this season. I'm pretty sure we could have gone even longer because it didn't feel that long when I was sitting down talking with him. And how about that story from Aurora, Colorado? The fact that he had reserved four seats to the, the midnight showing of The Dark Knight, but him and his friends decided instead to go to a little golf course down the road because there were seven of them and not enough seats in the movie theater. Just chilling, absolutely chilling. And the fact that his parents didn't know where he was for several hours uh, I just I just find that so hard to believe. I do think he needs a phone charger because he seems to always have a phone without battery at the most inopportune times in life. But I can't wait to see what the rest of the season holds for him. He's really rolling along this season. Speaking of rolling along, the Tennessee Titans. The Texans face them on Sunday. They face them twice in the next three weeks. So we'll be talking about the Titans again in a few weeks. But hopefully it'll be after a win this Sunday because the AFC South is on the line. Both teams 8-5. and five. And they can move into first place, the Titans, if they win on Sunday. And the Texans can lock up first place or at least secure it with a win on Sunday and one more win before the end of the year. So magic number for the Texans, they've got to win two games, two of their last three games. If they win on Sunday, then they can either win against Tampa Bay or they can win against the Titans again in the final uh, regular season finale. But if they lose on Sunday, then they have to win those final two games. But in any case, they hold their cards in front of them, and a win would be fantastic on Sunday. But it's a big task in defeating the Titans, who are red hot right now, 6-1 and one under Ryan Tannehill. He's doing some nice things. I had a chance to chat with Jim Wyatt, who covers the team for the Titans. He's their team reporter, senior editor, writer, and everything for the website. And talk to them about what has changed this season for this Tennessee Titans team. Take a listen. Jim, how's it going today? It's been a while since we chatted. Yes, it's been a while. It's crazy to have two games scheduled here in the last three weeks of the seasons with the Titans and the Texans, but uh, certainly the way it's played out two, uh, could be two really big games. Absolutely. I think since I've started here, these two teams have always met week eight or earlier, sometimes as early as week two. So this is the longest we've gone without since I've been here that these two teams have waited to face each other. So a little bit strange that we haven't already faced the Titans this year. But like you said, twice in the next three weeks, we're going to be hearing and seeing a lot of each other here in the next few uh, weeks to come. Let's start off with the Titans and their season. They started off 2-4. and four. 
Now they've won six of their last seven games with Ryan Tannehill. How surprised were you when the struggles that Marcus Mariota had early on that Mike Rabel made the switch when he did? Did you sort of see that coming, or, or did that sort of come as a surprise to the organization? I think you could see it coming. I mean, Marcus just – he struggled and was inconsistent, and they just weren't scoring a lot of points. And got to a point in Denver where they were uh, – game they ended up getting shut out 16 to nothing, um, where I, I think they felt like they needed to make a change. And, and Ryan Tannehill finished that game. And when, uh, when they started discussing a potential change before the Chargers – game on October the 20th, I think everyone kind of feel, felt like once you start discussing it, you have to make the move, and uh, it's been the right move. I mean, there's no question about it, and, and Marcus Mariota has his uh, share of, of supporters, and uh, and I'm talking about fans outside uh, the team, and, and not that the, you know, the team certainly respects him as well, but uh, people didn't agree with it from places like Oregon and places like Hawaii and people who have followed him throughout his career thought it was a, a big mistake the team was making. But Ryan Tannehill's been great. I mean, he, they've been 6-1 and one with him as the starting quarterback. They've scored over 30 points in the last uh, four games. They've scored over 40 points in two out of the last three. He's got the best passer rating in the league. And um, and, and I, I don't think that this team would be where it is right now if they'd have stayed with Marcus Mariota. And uh, everybody likes Marcus. Everybody respects him. He's a hardworking young man. But um, Ryan Tannehill's been the better starting quarterback, and they've really benefited from the spark he's given them and the better play that he's given them. Yeah, you mentioned Ryan Tannehill's number so impressive, and yet he's probably coming off his best performance in that win in Oakland, 391 yards, three touchdown passes, 140.4 QBR. When you see him in that offense, what is it about that fit with him and the Titans that's really just helped him uh, bring a spark back to his career? Obviously, we saw him struggle in Miami and, 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 and all of his woes there. But coming into the Titans, are you surprised by how well he's done over this last stretch of games? Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't because yeah, I saw him in Miami <laughs> and the Titans had several games against Miami. They, play, they faced him in the season opener uh, a year ago. And, uh, yeah, he had his moments there, and, and, and he's got a, a, a strong arm. I watched him in training camp and, and was impressed by the way he handled his reps and practices. But I don't think anybody would have been able to predict that he would be as sharp as he's been. And – He's been decisive. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, early on, you know, Marcus um, just held, held the ball too long, and he didn't make great decisions, and he was off target on a lot of his throws. Wasn't throwing a lot of interceptions. He was just, you know, he just wasn't putting the ball where it needed to be. And Ryan Tannehill's been accurate. He's been decisive. He's gotten the ball out. He's been confident in his decision-making, and, and, and by doing that, I mean he's making some throws into some really tight windows and giving his receivers an opportunity to make plays. He spread the ball around him. I think all the work he had with some of these guys further down the depth chart early in, you know, throughout camp and maybe throughout the first part of the season when he was working as the number two quarterback, I think that's coming back to 
to benefit the team now because you know he completed the passes to ten different players on Sunday. So he's spreading the ball around, and uh, he's been really good. I mean, and and uh, I think he's been even better. You know, been even better than anybody around would have expected because if not, they would have made this move before uh, week seven. Certainly, and I definitely want to ask you about the receivers in a bit, but uh, we'd have to talk about Derrick Henry, who's coming off a 100-yard performance. He's one of the biggest backs in the league, but got off to a slow start when the season started. How has the quarterback switch really benefited him, and is this the best you've seen him play? Well, he was really good down the stretch last year, uh, but this stretch started sooner this season. I mean, it was, it was kind of late in the year. He struggled early part of the last season, and at the halfway point, um, you know, he got a pep talk from Eddie George uh, about, you know, how your career is on the line and, and you need to start producing. You need to start looking for contact and, and start running like a big back, you know, kind of like Eddie George ran. You know, you don't shy away from contact. You know, be decisive at, at the hole. And, and we started to see Derrick Henry assert himself a lot more in December of last season, and he really – ran well down the stretch in December. I mean, he had a 238-yard, four-touchdown game against the Jaguars, uh, had a string of 100-yard games, and finished strong. But this season, he's been even better, and that and that stretch started sooner. Um, you know, he's, he's ripping off 100-yard games week after week. He's at 599 yards in the past four games. Um, he's already scored 13 touchdowns. Uh, he's clearly benefited from from the team uh, being able to throw the ball downfield because I think that's opened things up for him. But I think, you know, him running the ball as well as he, as he has, has, you know, the, the Tannehill and the receivers have benefited from that as well. So it's kind of worked hand in hand. You, you mentioned the chemistry that Tannehill has with the receivers and being able to spread the ball around, but he was still able to get two touchdown passes to A.J. Brown against uh, Oakland Raiders and and AJ's really putting up some eye-popping numbers. Just even when you look at him with other receivers across the league, what's what is it about him that makes him so hard to defend? Well, he's big and he's physical, and he has really good hands. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of first-round picks at the receiver position roll through here, and, and really across the league, and it takes them a while to really find their footing. I mean, Corey Davis is in year three. He was the fifth overall pick in 2017, and he's had his moments, but uh, you know, it kind of took him a while to really find himself, and, and he still has not been as explosive a player as A.J. Brown's been. Kendall Wright several years back was a first-round pick who – you know, again, had his moments, but and had had a one thousand yard season, but also had a lot of inconsistencies. I mean, Brown early on, um, you know, I think he shot, he you know based on what I've seen so far, I think he's going to be a special player, uh, you know, for the Titans and really in the league because he is hard to bring down in the open field. I mean, he made a ninety one yard catch on Sunday; it was the longest reception in franchise history. Um, Titans history, I should say. You have to go back to the Oilers days to find one longer. And George Blanda, I think, threw uh, maybe that pass. Uh, and, and he also had a catch in that game. Uh, oh, on that 91-yard catch, he caught the ball on the 50-yard line. He, he kind of brushed one guy off of him and ran out the rest of the way. There was a play late in the game. Caught a 16-yard pass across the middle, and three different guys had a crack at him to bring him down 
and he just kind of refused to be denied. So um, he's he's a really nice kid. He works hard. He's all about football. He studies, um, and he's got a great chemistry already, um, again, with Tannehill. And I think, you know, there's no question that he's kind of pacing this receiving core right now as a rookie. Jim, a few weeks back after the Titans beat the Chiefs, I saw a video that uh, kind of went viral, and it was – entertaining and yet um, I kind of felt for the guy uh, Taylor Lewan, who had a chance to meet at the Pro Bowl uh, very professional I mean great tackle obviously he missed the first uh, four games of the season with the suspension but then came back and and basically apologized for the false starts and the holding penalties which is something we're seeing sort of across the league for offensive linemen has he remedied that what has changed I know he'd said that he was going to work on it during the bye week but uh, what's the latest you can tell us about that situation and, and everything he dealt with with all those penalties? He has called down, I mean, to his credit, uh, he hasn't had a penalty in three games in a row now, which is, uh, he, he reminds you about it too. After the game <laughs> in Oakland, uh, there was people standing around, hey, I, I've had a penalty in three games. It's making sure people were aware of it, and people have been paying attention. Uh, you know, Mike Vrabel was hesitant to heap praise on a guy. That, you know, I think he went two games in a row without a penalty. And somebody asked Vrabel about it. He said, hey, I'm not going to compliment a guy for not getting penalties because, obviously, that's, you're not supposed to get them. But, but I think Rowan has obviously made a conscious effort to improve on that because he doesn't want to be a liability. He doesn't want to be a guy that, that hurts the team. And, uh, yes, he had to work some – through some things when he came back from a suspension. It was tough, I think, to start. It's tough to kind of get into a rhythm when you're an offensive lineman and get into a groove in week one anyway. It's even tougher, I think, when you come back in week five and these other guys have had a four-game head start on you and you're just not playing NFL speed yet. And I think that's one of the reasons why he got penalties and, and he may have been frustrated. And, and um, I think he has since... Uh, you know, settled down and is playing a lot better. I mean, the offensive line's playing better. It was pretty a pretty crazy stat uh, this week. They threw for 391 passing yards, and they didn't allow a sack, and it's, which is the first time that's ever happened in franchise history where they've thrown for that many yards without having a sack. So, I mean, I think credit goes to the offensive line for giving Tannehill time, and I think Taylor Lewan's been a big part of that. Let's talk about Mike Vrabel. Obviously, he was linebacker's coach here, and then he was uh, defensive coordinator for a season as well. And sometimes that Titans defense gets overshadowed by the offense, especially this year. How has that defense been so consistently good under Vrabel? What really stands out about uh, the defensive side of the ball this year to you? Well, they've been uh, they have been good, uh, you know, really from uh, you know the back end all the way up to the defensive front and they've gotten good play from some of the, from some of their edge rushers as well. Now they've taken a hit in the secondary um, in recent weeks, which, uh, you know, was a strength of the team coming in the season. And now they're, I don't want to say scrambling because if I say scrambling, it makes it sound like they're just trying to throw things together and they've actually had some guys step up and play well, but they lost Malcolm Butler to a broken wrist. He's on our now, uh, played last week, this this past week, without a Dory Jackson, LaShawn Sims. So they've had, and then Kenny Vaccaro, the team's starting safety, left the game with a concussion. He's in concussion protocols. So they've had a lot of young guys 
step up. I mean, Logan Ryan's been good from beginning to end, but Ty Smith has stepped in. They signed Tremaine Brock uh, from the Cardinals last week and plugged him in. Um, you know, Kevin Byard's been good back there helping settle that group down. So they've they've been able to withstand some of those injuries at the secondary position, which has been key. And then I think Jeffrey Simmons gave him a boost when he came uh, when he came onto the roster uh, for the team's game against the Chargers on the 20th. I think he's been a consistent force inside. Jarrell Casey, even though he's battled injuries, has been good. I give credit to the linebackers. I mean, Rashawn Evans has been a tackling machine. Jayon Brown's getting better um, each time he plays. He had a scoop and score for a touchdown this past week. Harold Landry has nine sacks. He's doing things this team hasn't seen done, uh, you know, really since Javon Curse played here from an from a edge rushing position. So they've had a lot of guys kind of step up, and uh, and I think you got to give credit to not only Vrabel but to Dean Peace, the, the defensive coordinator, because okay? he's really the guy that kind of puts the plan in place. He worked hand-in-hand with Vrabel, but Peace has been uh, – has really delivered good message and a good plan, and they have uh, they have been good. Uh, and, and when you're scoring points like the Titans have, and that's something they haven't done a lot here in Nashville, it certainly makes it a lot easier and takes the pressure off the defense, and they've benefited from that. Good stuff. Jim Wyatt, uh, first of the final two meetings with the Titans of the – 2019 regular season looking forward to it looking forward to seeing you up there in nashville sounds good thank you good stuff from jim wyatt he'll be on the podcast again spoiler alert in a few weeks when the texans host the titans so uh it's exciting exciting month of football here for both teams and really exciting for the texans with uh, all the possibilities right in front of them looking forward to the game on sunday and if you are of course you can check out Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon will be there for the pregame show. A lot of the questions about who's playing and who's not playing, they'll be answered by the time we go on the air because inactives will be out. And we usually kick off the show with which Texans players are active and inactive for Sunday's game. I know a lot of questions about Will Fuller. Will he be playing on Sunday? By then, those questions will be answered. So tune in on Facebook. You can drop in some questions. And uh, John Harris and I will answer those as well. And, of course, you can always check out HoustonTexans.com. For all of our stories, highlights, coverage, and more. But you know what? That's going to do it for our podcast for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Drop me a comment. Let me know who you'd like to hear um, on future podcasts. Because you know what? We're going to keep this going for the next few weeks. And hopefully deep into the postseason as well. So thank you, as always, for listening to the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. And as always, go Texans.